Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 36 of Points and Penalties. We'd like to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Josh. With me are my co-hosts, Jesse and Kevin. Peter's away today. So, Kevin, what are you drinking? Well, I haven't opened it up yet. I'm about to because it's a uh, Waterloo Pineapple Rattler. Hold on to your socks here, boys. I'm going to give you the alcohol content in a minute after I take a good swig of this. I'm going to give her a shot. I'm not too fond of like fond of um, pineapple, but it's a whopping two per two point five percent, guys. <laughs> wow, that's gonna be like the lowest. You might as well just be drinking water, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it would be a you know a good chuckle. Um, the wife did too. She you know, and I were talking about it, and uh, so it is what it is. It's not. It's not bad. I mean, like you said, it's kind of you know flavored water. But... <laughs> a little Jesse. carbonation. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little carbonation, right? <laughs> Jesse, so what are you drinking? I'm drinking the drink beers we had last night. Uh, Mill Street Brewery, the classic organic pilsner. And I saw it in the beer store today, and I was like, might as well. It was pretty good last night, so I thought I'd grab it again. It's just a solid five percent, though. Double double Kevs. <laughs> <laughs> just like the time I doubled yourself, right? That's one. That's remember that one. Yeah, but it was five percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Yosh, what are you what are you drinking? So I got a repeat this week, but it's a repeat of Kevin. Kev had this uh, a handful of weeks ago, so I got the rhythm and brews. Symphony Hazy IPA. It uh, is a strong beer. I didn't bitch out. Six point nine percent. It's uh, it's pretty tasty. It's got the you know your typical hazy IPA flavors, and uh, I like it so far. It's uh, it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty Wait, good. Wait yeah. until the line. Yeah. Well, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> All right, guys. Busy week. Busy week. Uh, let's get right into it. We'll start off with the the old MLB. As the regular season finished up yesterday, as Jesse alluded to uh, about his beer, the beer that we were drinking, the Pilsners from from Mill Street, and uh, well, we went to the Jays game. Hells yeah, we did. Hells yeah, we did. It was pretty fun. We were pretty excited. We were happy, uh, happy that the game meant something, but we'll get into that in just a few minutes. So I want to start off here with the, uh, the National League and the St. Louis Cardinals. So last week, uh, we had told you about their uh, win streak, and they had upped it this week to 17 games in a row. That clinched them a playoff spot, which was the second wild card. This 17-game winning streak is the or was the longest streak in the National League since the 1951 Giants. That was a long time ago. A long time ago, man, for sure. Almost just, just about as old as Kev, right? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> uh, they are the second team all time to win their last 11 road games. I get this one. This is a little older than Kev since the 1887 Philadelphia Quakers. They were the last team to do that. 
Lakers? No idea. <laughs> Lakers, like, did they become the Phillies or did they move somewhere else? Who knows? But the Philadelphia so Quakers. Like a minor league team. Yeah, for sure. And so during this 17-game win streak, they had a plus 62 run differential. They had a minus 24 run differential through the first 140 games of the season. So you can see how much they really turned it on for the last 20, 25 games type thing over their season. So, so good on the Cardinals there for, uh, for getting that 17 game winning streak, breaking the records, longest streak in Cardinals history. Yeah, it was, it was good for the fantasy wise, at least he was the only Arenado was the only player on one of my teams where we were actually doing anything. Yeah. So <laughs> it was that different run differential. He was definitely part of that for sure. And what a streak to start. I mean, to get into it, uh, the wild card. I mean, how dangerous are they now? I mean, they're on a, they're clicking. Mm-hmm. And they were well out, like well out of that spot in, you know, before the streak started. Well, now they got a tough challenge ahead of them. Okay. They do. They do. They got to go. They got to go through LA and San Fran. Yeah, exactly. Which we'll get to in just a second here. So the Milwaukee Brewers, they ended up winning the NL Central. And as most teams do, they celebrated after uh, winning the division. They go back to the dressing room or clubhouse and they tie a few on, you know, drink a few beers, have a few champagne bottles uh, shaken up and splashed over everybody. And relief pitcher Devin Williams. Now, this could be in a penalty box, but we've, we've left yeah. it out because we got some better ones. But uh, this guy decided that it would be a smart idea to punch a wall. Well, he's celebrating. He ends up breaking his hand and he's likely to miss the entire postseason. So a guy that they likely counted on for the whole year to be a solid relief pitcher, busts his hand and now can't help the team at all. So this is ridiculous. I hope this guy realizes that he's an idiot and you know, yeah, if the Brewers win, he's still going to get a championship ring, but he didn't help. Yeah. He helped them get them there, and that was and failed miserably exactly. <laughs> by not showing up. Because this honestly sounds like an injury, like Kevin would do, kind of thing, like that. <laughs> <laughs> like celebrating. <laughs> yeah, this is a huge blow. Like this guy was NL Rookie of the Year and reliever of the year as well. So like it's 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 crazy that this last year it was that he did this, but it's crazy that they're gonna lose this guy because they have Josh Hader. And then he was the setup guy. Yeah. So he had a 2.5 ERA, 87 strikeouts, and 54 innings. Yeah, no, that, that's fucking solid for a relief guy and a guy that's as young as he is. But I guess he'll hopefully learn from this. Like, Brewers are definitely going to be good next year. They got a lot of young, great talent. Mm-hmm. So they'll definitely probably be back here next year. But still, you, you, want, you need that postseason experience. Yeah, that too. That's a big thing. Just the experience he's going to miss out on, you know. And like I said, this is just an idiotic thing to do. Like, come on. I mean, we all do stupid things, but this is just really dumb. I, I don't think that, uh, well, I, they should probably start putting like little paddings around areas of walls that he might punch. <laughs> so he doesn't break his hand again, just as a gag, you know. That would be pretty funny, actually. <laughs> so as Jess alluded to there, uh, Let's get into the NL playoff picture. It is now set. Jesse had mentioned that the cards have a tough goal because they have to go through the wild card number one team first, which is the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
that finished over 100 wins. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a wild card team, and that's going to be a tough, tough goal for uh, for St. Louis. And the winner of that will face the best team in the league, which was the San Francisco Giants. They won the NL West, uh, I believe, by a, just a game over the Dodgers. Yeah, it came down to the last day. Yep, came down to Sunday. It was a big Sunday for baseball, huge. Uh, the Brewers, as we had mentioned, previously won their division, as did the Atlanta Braves. So, Jess, you get a little props for uh, for your, yeah. your Braves. You called them to win at the beginning of the year. They're at least uh, winning the division, and they're in the playoffs. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a lot of faith in them right now, but I still will cheer for them. But they needed Okuna to go further, I think. For sure. Peters picked the Dodgers, as we just mentioned. They are still in as well as the wild card number one team. My guess is that they beat the Cardinals, and uh, it'll be a massive, massive series between the Giants and the Dodgers. Do not miss that series. If sure. if the Dodgers win. <laughs> yeah, that'll be uh, – that's going to be crazy, man. I'm I'm excited for that series. Like I I, I know I'm kind of like putting out the uh, St. Louis is going to get it, but it's going to be tough. I I also heard that Kershaw might not even be playing the postseason. Yeah, I heard that too. He messed something up in his forearm, didn't he? Uh, elbow, maybe or I don't know, something like that. Yeah, because he it wouldn't might... let go of the ball. I noticed that when he was walking off the mound. He couldn't let go. I don't know if he couldn't let go, but he did not let go. He was basically, you know holding on to the ball, squeezing it because he didn't want to feel like if he let go, so it would oh. hurt. Mm. I don't know, Maybe. but he held on to it the whole way out. Hmm. Really? Because you usually have to hand off the ball when you get pulled. Yeah. Well, for some reason, he held on to it. Hmm. Weird. They've had, you know, I mean, they, they brought in these pitchers. That, you know, we didn't even talk about Trevor Bauer much this year with all his legal bullshit that he has had going on. And, you know, there's another pitcher. How much better would these Dodgers be if Trevor Bauer was pitching – the entire season you know they probably be i gotta say they'd be the, the best in the west in the, in the nl at least you know but, yeah but he also might have gotten caught with that sticky stuff because he was fair enough. One, one of the candidates that, <laughs> that did it used it a lot too so fair enough fair enough so that's uh pretty much it for the national league because uh you know we're american league guys <laughs> <laughs> So, starting off in the American League, I want to start off with the Houston Asterix. They won the AL West, and after they clinched, that made Dusty Baker the first manager in MLB history to win division titles with five different clubs. This is a hell of a feat. Five different clubs. So, he won it, won the division with the Giants in 97 and 2000, the Cubbies in 03, he won it with the Reds in 2010 and 2013, the Nats in 16-17, and now the Astros in 2021. Uh, this is I've always liked Dusty Baker. He's a great coach. And for the most part, pretty laid back. Uh, obviously, everybody can get fired up, but uh, I really like Dusty Baker. And for him to uh, to pull this off here, this is to me, this is crazy. I, you know, you have to have a long managing career to to be able to do this unless you just happen to get lucky and you know bounce 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 back and forth to teams and you just happen to go to good teams but chances are if you're bouncing around and they're not good teams so do you know if he's ever won a world series i'm gonna say yes okay yeah. I, I it's a question i don't know i think he won with the giants i'm not sure which year probably 2000 because i remember mm. his son i remember his son running out onto the field 
like for celebrations and whatnot as a little kid like you know a little toddler running out I just for some reason I remember that so I mean it could have just been the NL uh championship at that point but I'm I'm sure he won it I'm gonna say in 2000. Mm. Uh, it's just interesting too because you see with the nationals 2016 2017 and then they won it like a couple years after that mm. the whole thing when he was gone and that's why i was just curious that if he could push through or not yeah did he win with the cubbies that's what i was gonna say because maybe he won with the cubbies because wasn't that the year that they oh three might have been the year that they broke their curse yep i was gonna say the same thing it wasn't then i should have challenged you on it but yes it was the cubs that i can think of you think it was the Cubs, not the Giants? That's right. I'm wondering if it's maybe both. Because I'm I'm sure that he did it with the Giants. Come on, Jesse. We're setting you up for a challenge here, fucker. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking it up right now, man. Why would you be looking it up then? I'm not going to. I already said I'm not going to challenge for it. Well, Kev, I'll challenge you, man. You say the Cubbies. I'll take the Giants. How about right. that? There we go. All right. Well, while you're looking it up, Jess, <laughs> let us know who gets the point. all right so while we look this up find out exactly uh if dusty baker ever won and who let's roll on into our blue jays so last game of the year game 162 against baltimore the game that we just happened to go to yeah big d so the jays needed a win and then either a loss from new york the yankees or a loss from the Red Sox in order to get into a tiebreak situation to get into that AL wildcard spot. The Jays got a big win. They pretty much won the game in the first inning. <laughs> Did they ever? They, they had that pitcher, I mean, done. The first inning wasn't even over. I mean, yeah. they, they, he didn't even get out of the inning. No, they chased they him like two thirds of the way through the inning, I think, which was pretty sweet. I mean, it is the last game of the year for Baltimore, so it doesn't surprise me if you're getting beat up. You're not going to let them stay in there. You're going to bring in all these other guys. you got lots of young guys uh, on your roster because the September rosters expand, so you got lots of young guys that you would want to see in some game action. So I, I totally understand where uh, where Baltimore was coming from there, but the Jays fucking dominated like they should have against these guys, and they should have been doing this all year. And yeah, right. it seemed earlier in the year we were having a hell of a, tro- hell of a problem beating these uh these lower end teams and you know when it comes down to it the jays missed out by a game and if they would have uh they would have won some of these easy you know quote unquote easier games earlier in the season this might be a totally different conversation so i'm just going to jump in and let you know that dusty baker won three world series with the dodgers as a player okay and as a manager he has never won a world series really what he took the giants to game seven in the two, 2022 world series but couldn't steal seal the deal 2022 or, sorry tw- uh tw- 2002 oh interesting so fucking both minuses that sucks all right hmm. huh that is, uh, i thought for sure he won for yeah sure. i i don't know i guess huh. obviously not that's what yeah. cbs sports is saying hmm. interesting hmm. Okay. Well, this is what it is. Uh, so during the week here, as, as I mentioned, we played Baltimore the last couple of games. They went 3-0 and versus Baltimore. But earlier in the week, this is another time where we could have used a W. Uh, they went 1-2 and two versus the Yankees, which was the most crucial series of the, se- of the whole season, really. And uh, they, didn't, uh, they didn't put it together. Our Cy Young candidate had a hiccup, and uh, he kind of shit the bed there. 
which you know, hey, it is what it is. That happens. Was that in the um, fifth inning? I believe it was in the fifth inning. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he gave up three home runs to four batters. That was it. That was all nope. she wrote because the Jays were leading that game. And uh, had they had they been able to hang on there, like I said, maybe we'd be talking a whole different story. It would be fun to see what the wild card would have been. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, there probably would have been, you know, probably a three-way tie at least, mm-hmm. you know, which would have been cool. But anyway, that is what it is. Uh, now, obviously, continuing on here with the Jays because uh, they're our they're our team, and we won't be talking about the Jays too much uh, for the rest of the year here, as they're going to be sitting on the bench at home watching. So, twenty twenty one marks the first season in Toronto Blue Jays history that four players have hit a hundred plus RBI in the same season, and with all the firepower in the in past years. You know, just recently back into, you know, 2015, 2016 with Edwin. JD, uh, Batista. Exactly. You'd think that these, they would have had four guys with 100 RBI, but they didn't. And so this is the first year that they did it. So Vlad, Tail, Bo, and Marcus. 111, 116, 102, and 102, respectively. And surprise, surprise, these are our four all-stars. Yep. It's kind of depressing that we couldn't get a wild card spot with all this firepower. 100%. And they they had a huge run differential too. I can't quite remember it right now, but it was it was quite large for a team that wasn't in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh it was it was cool seeing the four guys in the All-Star game. It's cool seeing all these uh all these numbers up there, all the RBIs and like you said just it's a bit disappointing that they couldn't uh, do a little more with the season here, but you know, there's a, there was a bunch of issues with pitching all year. Not that it was all the pitchers fault, but you know, at the beginning, the, the starters weren't great. Then the starters kind of got their shit together and then the bullpen wasn't great. And then they all kind of got it all together and they started clicking there when they were well out of the uh, wild card race. And then they got right back into it. And that's when everybody was clicking and, and then just things didn't work out. So, Hey, it is what it is. I got a question for you then. Do you think next year we could get five guys up there if certain someone can stay healthy? Um, and well, if Simeon comes back, right? That's good. Right. That's the other question. So if Simeon comes back and then you add in Springer, I mean, I said it. Uh, I said it yesterday. I think Springer's going to end up being better than Vlad next year. I think his stats are going to be better, assuming he can stay Crazy. healthy for seventy-five percent of the game. So yeah, I'm going to say that. Uh, yeah, they will have. I mean. Maybe five is a stretch because I don't know if Simeon's going to be able to to replicate his season. Yeah, this is it was a ridiculous season for sure. Yeah, for him, but yeah, like it's the other guys are young, so I still feel like they are still on their upward swing. Where I feel like Marcus is for sure is at his peak, and he, you know, probably going to come down next year. But you know, and they did only hit you know 102, so it's not wasn't a crazy amount. Well, he was um, a leadoff guy for the most part too. Yeah, for sure. And the bottom of the lineup is. Danny Jansen, so. <laughs> <laughs> who actually was got pretty hot at the end of the year here, but <laughs> so one of these uh, hundred plus RBI guys, Bo Bichette, had hit twenty nine home runs on the season, and that sets a new Blue Jays record for home runs by a shortstop. This was another thing that kind of didn't completely blow my mind because shortstops aren't you know they're not the guys that are getting you all these home runs typically. Unless you're 
Tatis. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> or I guess Tulo from back in the day. Yeah. Well, he was I was in Colorado too, so anyone got home runs there. <laughs> oh, I think this is pretty cool. 29 homers. Now, wouldn't it have been funny if they like Semyon was a shortstop, right? So he would have blown that fucking mark out of the water with his 44, I believe he had. Challenge. 45. He got it. That was right after he got his baseball. Oh, he did. Did he get the 45th on the weekend? Yeah. That was the one. I'm pretty sure. That was a foul ball, Kev. The one that you held up as a foul ball. (laughs) I know, I know. But that's what Jesse just mentioned. It was the one that uh, after I. I'm pretty pretty sure. I mean, it was right after this is when he hit it. So we'll just look that up or whoever. The uh, the Blue Jays as a whole, as a team, I'm now topped 45. Is it 45? All right. So the Jays have now topped the club record for home runs in a season with 262 long balls. Damn. Yeah. That eclipses the 2010 mark of 257 and the 2019 mark of 247. Lots of home runs this year. Again, that 2015-2016 season is not there. Right. Exactly. Very odd when you when you think about all that firepower the Jays had. In 2019, we weren't even that good. Yeah, like, exactly. we just had a bunch of young guys and stuff mm-hmm. coming up. Yeah, 100%. Huh. That's most of the, the records for the Blue Jays this year, except for this last one here, which is, of course, our boy, everybody's boy, Vlade Guerrero Jr., potential MVP candidate. Well, he is an MVP candidate, potential winner. He has hit 48 home runs on the season. He has now hit the most home runs in an age 22 season or younger. And we just happened to see that 48th one. We were uh, in the right field foul territory. And yeah, Vladdy fucking went oppo, smash one. Uh, I think it was right off the uh, the second deck. Like it's a Nova side. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So Peter called it out too. He said, Put an oppo right over the Pizza Nova sign, and Vlad heard him. Like with, on the same pitch, like it yeah, wasn't yeah, like yeah. two yeah. later. Yeah, yeah. So props to Pete on that one, calling that because that was a that was. I mean, at that point, we really needed that home run. I mean, yeah, they were up a, up a bit, but you know, you got to add that, got to keep adding, keep adding. And uh, we were pretty fucking jacked, if I remember correctly. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, we were. That was nuts. And then it started going into the uh, chirping of the uh, the outfielder. Yeah, Austin Hayes, uh, if you're listening, thanks for uh, listening to all our fucking chirping on uh, on Sunday afternoon. But uh, we had a good time. But uh, maybe next time you'll sign my baseball. Yeah. <laughs> he said he was going to sign my baseball. <laughs> sign my ball. Uh, so okay, so Vladdy with his 48 here, he eclipses Eddie Matthews' 47 home runs. In 1953, next guy down with 46 home runs, Joe DiMaggio in 1937. And the next guy after that is Johnny Bench with 45 in 1970. That's pretty good company sitting there with being 22 ages or under. I, I love it. I love Very it. good company. Yeah. He's only going to get better. Hopefully. Now, we talked a lot about Vlad and the Triple Crown watch. He was very close uh, multiple times in the season where he was leading in all of the categories or, or two of the three major categories for, or just the two out of the three categories for triple crown. <laughs> and he fell off a bit, which 
in the end there at that pretty much solidified that he wasn't going to get the triple crown, although he still had a hell of a season as we know. So triple count crown numbers, he had a 311 average, which was fifth, the 48 home runs, which was first. He was tied with uh, Salvi Perez. And in RBIs, he had 111, which ranked sixth in the league. Yeah, it calmed down a lot near the end. Yeah, he did. But we still got to see a 2001 Vladdy home run. That's right. And the one that broke uh, Eddie Matthews' record. So exactly. It was pretty sweet. We were there for that. So some other stats here for Vladdy, because it's going to uh, lead into my question for you guys. So his OPS was 1.002, which was second to only Bryce Harper. He scored the most runs in the league at 123. And oddly enough, or maybe not odd, but the number two guy was Bull Bichette. He had either 122 or 121 runs scored. He was third in hits in the league with 188. His OBP was third in the league with 401. And his slugging was a 601, which was good enough for third place in the league. So as I'm going through all those, other than the RBI and average at sixth and fifth, respectively, he's in the top three in all those other categories. Hell of a fucking season. So, We've talked about this a lot and we've talked about the other guy who you guys may, may voice your opinion to say he is, but do you guys think that Vladdy wins the AL MVP? I don't, I still think it's going to go to Otani. Tony. Mm. Kev? I'm kind of feeling the same thing, man. I mean, oh man, it's just, it's hard. I mean, after seeing what uh, Vlad's done, but I still have to go, I still have to go with Tony. I mean, it's hard to be a pitcher and a, you know, a, a hitter. So he also had a lot less bats too compared to Vladdy, and and he, uh, Vladdy. Oh, I actually know. Otani walked more than he did. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess he found his eye because I always thought Vladdy had the better eye. I'm just saying it's it's he's like he's. Versatile man. I mean, if you need a pitcher and a DHer, I mean, you got them right there. So that's that's my. That's he's got and he's got some it. wheels as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hit like six or eight triples, which led the league. He hit eight triples and tied for the lead. Yeah. So. And then he had twenty six steals. Yeah, which is all right out of a DH. <laughs> Right. A, a DH slash, yeah, part-time yeah. pitcher. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I think I have to agree with you guys. I think Otani is going to get it, but only based on the fact that he's got this kind of dual eligibility type thing because we haven't seen it ever. You know, baseball hasn't seen it for 100 years or however long it's been since uh, since the big baby, you know, paid, played. So, um, any other year, Vladdy takes home this hardware, no problem. Oh, in a heartbeat. I agree. But because because of uh, Otani. Now, next year, you know, even if Otani and Vlad have the same seasons next year, you know, does do you think Otani would – let's say Otani wins this year. They have pretty much the same seasons as they did this year. Do you think they give the nod to Otani again because, because of the whole pitching, batting thing? Or do you think after the first year that's a one and done? It's, it's a one and done. Yeah. I, I mean, unless, I don't know. Other, unless other people are doing it now. I mean, if these – there are two-way players. They're just not as, like, good as Otani. 
they, they're pretty rare. I, um, I think his name is McKay. He plays for Tampa, mm-hmm. at least in the minors. He, he did it, but like, it's tough not to give it to him again. Just if he's doing the same, what he's doing in the pitching and the hitting and everything like that, like this guy is so valuable to you. Like as much as Vladdy has the stick and everything, his his defense is still meh. Like we saw him make an error, mm-hmm. and it was they should have been a double play at that point. Yeah. So like, and and he's a he can play in the field too, and he he doesn't make a lot of mistakes in the field too. So he also has that in his arsenal. So it's, I just think he's just like a crazy athlete, but him reproduce doing these statistics again, I it's that's gonna be tough. I think. Oh, absolutely, it'll be tough. And he. He he gets hurt a lot too because he does he plays both ways so because he does that he 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 can throw his shoulder a lot easier like pitchers get hurt a lot so you're you're pretty much giving this guy extra time to get hurt yeah. he's playing more so it's it's and he he has to be in really good shape and continue to to be in that shape and he's going to be another year older next year I know he's still not that old but but. You never know because he has been hurt a lot before this year. He's never – well, he's played a full season once, but I don't think he was – it was nowhere close near this, obviously. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what the uh, the MLB brass does here or, or whoever gets the votes and whatnot. And, I wouldn't be uh, surprised if they do give it to Vladdy because they know Otani will probably get one eventually because of his dual status. Maybe. I mean, when it comes down to it, the MVP is the most important or most viable player to your team compared to the most viable player on every other team, basically. Right. So yeah. is Otani more valuable to LA than Vladdy is to, to Toronto? It's hard to say. Yeah, that is. Hard I, to say. I don't know. Like, look, like we said, we got four guys over a hundred RBIs right. this year. First time in this year. So he had, he had a good team around him. Where yeah. He had a lot of help for sure. Otani had a hurt trout all year. Right. So, mm-hmm. and nobody else. Mm-hmm. Like that, what was the first baseman? He was the half decent. Uh, Walsh, Walsh for a bit, and then yeah. he he wasn't that good later on. It'd be interesting. I guarantee you, though. However, this does shake down. I guarantee you, it's Vlad Otani one two one way or the other in the votes and whatnot. Either Vlad will be one and Otani will be two, or or Otani will be one and Vlad will be two. Garrett fucking teed. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Last little bit here on the uh, on baseball. We got the AL playoff pitcher. We knew that the Rays won the East. We mentioned earlier this, the uh, Houston Asterix won the West. The White Sox won the Central, and it all came down to the wild card. We did our part. We put up our runs. Jays won, what was it, 12-2 or 14-2? 12-4, I think it was. 12-4, okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they scored a few extra runs at the end. Yeah. That was a great game to go see. It was fucking exciting. Oh, and... We need to talk about uh... – Springer's grand grand slam. Oh yeah, well, so that was another one that Pete called. <laughs> yep, I'm t- I'm taking the assist on that one. I asked him to call it because he was drinking away and watching the Nats <laughs> game at the same time. Like Peter, call it, call it. Here. <laughs> Bases are juiced. <laughs> so Petey called it, called the uh, a grand slam there, and I leaned back and I tapped Jess on the shoulder and I said. If Springer hits a grand slam here, I'm buying a fucking jersey. <laughs> and so Springer made my choice for me. It was either going to be a Vlad or a Springer, and he hit that grand slam. And so I'm getting a Springer jersey. 
I'm going to wait. I uh, was going to either get a playoff edition one or I'll get one for next year. But uh, rest assured, I will stick to my word and I will get one next year, 100%. So, like I said, the Jays, they won their game. But the Yanks and the Red Sox, as we mentioned earlier, they also both won yesterday, uh, which put the, the Jays and the Mariners out. And they get to, uh, that's it. They get to go home. They get to just relax for the, uh, for the rest of the rest of October. I don't think they're going to be relaxing. I think they're going to be a little bit steamy. For they will for the first. And... Yeah, they will be for the first little while, for sure. Well, especially when, you know, you, if you look back at your own play, you know, as each guy and says, you know, if I would have done this or if I could have done this, we could have won that one or two extra games, which would have put us in that wild card spot or, or higher, depending on who that game was against the Yanks, the Red Sox, you gain a, you know, you gain a full game instead of a half game. So with the Jays and what are the 91 wins? I'd like to know, and Kev, I think I know the answer to this just based on you saying that they were going to win the world series, but did the blue Jays exceed your expectations in 2021? Yeah, man, of course they did. I mean, they didn't make it. They didn't, you know, do my prediction. But all in all, man, I, I, I think damn right they did. They exceed your expectations, even though you had an expectation of a World Series. Yeah, man. I <laughs> mean, okay. I, I said that only because of the fact that I'm Canadian kid, right? I mean, why not just sit there and cheer, cheer for your Canadian team? I mean... That's well, why we're gonna it. we're gonna we're gonna cheer for them, but yeah, but that's why I chose them. Just like I chose to, just like I'm taking uh, the Heat and is he, winning the uh, NBA championship. You can't bet with your heart, man. Yeah, buddy. Well, <laughs> sometimes I do, and it, look what it gets me. But yeah, no, I I do. I I like what they did for sure. Well, I mean, I think we all like what they did. Like for me, they definitely exceeded my expectations. I didn't think they were making the wild card. I didn't think they had anywhere, any close chance. Even at the beginning of the year, I didn't think that they were going to do that good. I thought it was going to be a, a solid year, but I thought it was going to be another, you know, building and trying to get better year and, and bring everybody together. You know, you, it's your first year with Semyon, first year with Springer, and, you know, and then you still got the young guys. Like we didn't see a whole lot of Biggio in the second half of the year. You know, that was partially because of injury and whatnot. He wasn't that good either. Well, that's the thing, right? So when at the beginning of the year, he's your third baseman. Now, Santiago Espinal was clearly a better third baseman. He just doesn't have as good of a stick. But that being said, he fucking was, he lit it up yesterday. He was great. Yes, he did. So, and he's been good for the last few, you know, last couple of weeks. So, and obviously that's why Montoya had him in there. He is a great defensive player. And if he's, uh, if he can swing the bat a little bit too, I mean, he doesn't need to hit home runs. Don't eat them in home runs. We got four other guys that can do that, and five with Springer. So get on know. base, man. Exactly. So for me, they did ex- exceed my expectations. I was quite happy about it. A little disappointed that, that the Yanks and the Red Sox were one game better, but it is what it is. That's uh, it happens like that all the time. Stupid Yanks, stupid Red Sox. I mean, like in certain ways, they exceed my expectations, but I did expect them to get the wild card. I was with Kevin early on. I was like, I'm, I, I see a lot of potential and you, you, you saw it. You just, they couldn't put it all together. And with the early injuries that they had throughout the season, Springer being hurt for half the season or whatever it was. Yep. Pretty much half. <laughs> um, that, that, and that's where we may have gotten another game if he was there. And, oh, if, yeah. we didn't, and we, if we didn't lose so many of our, um, 
relievers at the beginning. Yep. yep. <laughs> like how, lev- how many fucking closers did we have on this staff throughout the whole mm-hmm. year? Like seven. <laughs> it was a stupid. At least, of- at least with like like actual saves before. Yeah, they, there was a <laughs> there was a bunch. Yeah. So, and it was only because we they couldn't stay healthy, or they just were garbage. <laughs> All right. So last part part here. For baseball, before we uh, before we get into the NFL, we caught or sorry, we got two balls yesterday. <laughs> All right, we got two balls yesterday. So the big question last night was: Would you rather get a game ball that was a foul ball that you picked up off the ground? That's what Kevin got. All right, or would you rather catch a practice ball from a player throwing it to you? It was Tay Oscar too. It was Tay Oscar. Man, that guy's that guy's awesome for what he, he was he doing was awesome. for those kids and everything else. I mean, that guy was right on. So there and was, that's, and that's the only reasons why. Then on, I knew that Hayes could hear us, right? Because so, that's yeah. So there was a handful of kids in front of us, and uh, Tay Oscar was playing left field to start the game. Uh, Gritchick was yanked for. Uh, Gritchick was yanked for Dickerson. Dickerson went into left. Tay Oscar came over to right. As soon as Tay Oscar came over to right, there was all these kids pretty much had Tay Oscar jerseys on. And they just, you know, they were cheering for him or whatever. And every time he came out into the field, the ball that he was hawking around with uh, Springer, he would every single time he came over and he would he would lob it into to the kids' dads and whatever. And so all the pretty much all the kids in front of us got balls. And then Somehow, I don't know how we ended up getting one and why, but he, but Teoscar turned and he threw it overhand and it was just a little lob. It really was nothing crazy. And Pete all of a sudden looks up and he sees a ball flying at him. So he stands up and he catches this ball barehanded because, you know, we don't take gloves. And, uh, and so I hear the smack of the ball. And I'm looking up because I'm still sitting. I hear the smack of the ball, see it go in his hand. And then Pete goes, ow. <laughs> <laughs> so this little lob from a from a pro ball player basically put a stitch like the, the ball stitch into Pete's hand, <laughs> which is just crazy to think. Like, you know, obviously when we play ball, we're playing with a softball, so it's harder to throw it hard or harder, you know. But for this guy, he he literally just lobbed it in there <laughs> and it and it ripped Pete's hand apart. <laughs> so for all you listeners, let us know on social media. Whether you'd prefer Kevin's foul game ball or Pete's throwing to you caught caught <laughs> practice ball. <laughs> now, when Kevin was uh, when that ball was was coming, so it was a Semyon. It was right the, the it was the pitch before Semyon hit his home run yesterday. He puts it into the right field corner foul ball, and so where are the three of us, Jesse, Peter, myself, we're all just watching the ball. And Kevin was sitting on the end. And all of a sudden, as we're watching the ball, Kevin's fucking gone. Where the hell is he? Well, Kev's already camped out and he's under the ball, basically ready to make a fly ball catch. But he didn't. But he didn't. <laughs> well, There's he, people in front of me, man. Yeah, the, the guy in front of him definitely should have stood up and caught it, but he didn't. He's so it ended turtle. up hitting. And uh, and Kev, even with a bum knee, he he jumped down on the ground and was scrambling for that ball. And it's got the it's got the bat mark on it. It's got a little bit of pine tar on this ball, and uh, you might say, "Well, who gives a fuck? It's just a ball." But you got to remember, the four of us have been to a lot of Jays games in our day, and none of us have ever gotten a ball. So to get two in a game, 
was pretty sweet. We were pretty fucking excited. Like I said, the Jays won. So that made us even more excited. And uh, and actually, which was pretty sweet at the end is uh, the the Sky Dome there, the Rogers Center, after uh, the game was over and they did all the interviews and whatnot, they put the uh, they put the Boston game up on the Jumbotron. So we were able to to watch that and watch them win. Watch them win, which sucks. <laughs> Uh, especially since the Nats blew a 5-1 lead, which was uh, really shitty. But, uh, hey, it is what it is. So, Jays are done. We had a good last day at the Rogers Center watching the Jays. We had a hell of a lot of fun. Spent a bunch of money, but uh, that's all right. Um, for the record, for everybody who's wondering about the, the whole COVID protocol and everything, everything was nice and safe. It was easy to get in. You know, I was a little concerned about that starting out, you know, getting in. How long is this going to take us to get in? What they check all the, you know. They obviously do all the normal checks and, and then to add in the, uh, to add in the COVID check, but it was fast. Uh, it was, it was raining and it wasn't even too bad. We got in in no time and I was quite happy. So kudos to the, uh, all the people at the staff at Rogers center, getting everybody in and making sure everybody's safe. And uh, we did miss a Springer dinger though. We did miss a Springer dinger. That's hey, right. We were, we were inside when it happened though. We were. Yeah, it was crazy. We we're going to get, we were walking back from beers, I think, or something. We're going to get beers. We're going no, to get beers. No, we were walking back from beers for sure. Whatever. And yeah. and you just hear the crowd light up, and I look to the closest screen because there's that that second or two second delay, and then you just see it. But yeah, he, it was he the could, horn we, we weren't we weren't looking. We just, no. the crowd went crazy as soon as he hit it. Oh, yeah, so did we. We knew what happened. All right, guys, that's going to wrap us up for uh, the MLB this week. Like I said, it was a good season by the Blue Jays. We had a hell of a time at the game. And uh, we're definitely going to go to a few more next year. So uh, I think we're going to try and set something up where we maybe get some group tickets and uh, maybe we can get a group of 10 people to do the points and penalties crew here. And then some of our uh, loyal listeners, if they want to come out and have some fun. So anyway, on to the NFL. Jeff, what do we got? Who the fuck is Jeff? Jesse. I was going to say, Jesus. Who do we got? <laughs> Well, I'm going to go back to the Sunday nighter in week three because this was quite the impressive win by Mr. A-Rod. With seconds left to play in the game, I think it was 37 seconds left, and no timeouts after Garoppolo had thrown a 12-yard pass to Kyle Juszczyk. He had 37 seconds left, and he went to Adams twice for a 25- and a 17-yard gain. I don't know what the hell San Fran's defense was doing but I'm okay with that because San Francisco in the division and I want, I want a green Bay to win that one. And that's what they did. They got down. He spiked both balls, got down there and Mason miss did not miss hit that 51 yard field goal. As the game expired, it was a hell of a game. San Fran did have to come back and they actually were losing most of that game. And it was quite the comeback, which, but you still can't leave apparently that 37 seconds left on the clock yeah. for a rod. Super impressive with, with Rogers, like we uh, talked about before, Jess, but it's somewhat expected between Rogers and, and Adams. I mean, and like you said, what the fuck is the defense doing? You know it's going to Devontae. You <laughs> know. know it's going there. It's not going anywhere else. Yeah. Like a few years ago, maybe. Maybe Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson would have got that ball because Devontae was much younger and he was a rookie or, or you know, maybe not necessarily a rookie, but like I said, younger and not as experienced. So maybe Jordy Nelson gets that ball, but. Now you hundred percent know what's going to Devontae. So how do you not like triple cover him on that? And the thing was, was the first one, there was like no one around him for five yards. The second yeah. one, there was a little bit more of a contested catch, but he was still well enough open 
to grab it with Rogers act accuracy. So it's, it was silly, but like I said, I'm okay with it because not a 49er fan at all. In any retrospect, I know you, I know it doesn't help your division, but Nope. <laughs> I was actually so help, hoping for, uh, for that loss. Cause we would have, the bears would have been tied for first in the division at yeah. one and two. <laughs> with one and two yeah. yes. <laughs> After putting up a, a pretty, Oh, it's a, it was a standard. Yeah, it was in my box last, last week, so we know how bad it was. <laughs> and then the Monday night, Yoshi's uh, lock got it for him. Cowboys dominate the Eagles. Yeah. Prescott's doing his thing. Threw for three touchdowns, 238 yards without an interception. And Zeke decided to show up. Two touchdowns, 95 yards rushing. It was an impressive game by him. Uh, this week he actually had a pretty good game as well but the big thing here was the eagles only using miles sanders to run the ball twice yeah that's crazy and he actually got like decent yardage out of both times they ran the ball but like they're throwing everything on jalen hurts it seems like and i it, i know this guy's a rookie head coach nick sirianni like it's he's still learning the ropes and and the cowboys are looking like a really really good team uh, their defense is flying around right now, and Dak has picked up exactly where he is. And they're they're not throwing as much; they're running the ball now. They're they're letting Tony Pollard and Zeke do their thing. Yeah, exactly, and that's what they need to do, right? They're, like that running game is going to open up the passing game. So exactly, and then you you don't want Prescott taking too many more shots on on just coming back from that bum knee or ankle, his ankle. So. We're going to move on to the week four, finally. the One of the only games I saw, uh, the only game I saw this week, because obviously we were at the game yesterday, which I still wouldn't trade. I liked the game. It was awesome. Yeah, it was fun. So it was the first overall pick bowl with Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Hell of a start for Trevor Lawrence. These guys were up 14-0 and were almost about to go up 21-0 at the end of the first half. But Cincy's D stood them up on a fourth down call. It would have been tough for Cincy to come back, which they ended up doing. They got the win on the end of regulation to win 24-21. And Burrow threw for 348 yards, two touchdowns. And like I said, they came overcame that 14 Nothing half deficit to beat uh, Urban Meyer coming home, back home to uh, Ohio. And another good thing, I know Kevin's going to like this, Lawrence did not turn over the ball this time. He was actually pretty good. He's starting to grow, I think, and I think Urban Meyer's starting to figure out how to – he's got to run the ball, not just be throwing Trevor Lawrence in there and, and constantly chucking it up. They look good. They look good. And since he is, has been a pretty good team this year, so – I suspect that they'll they'll get the win in the next couple of weeks. No, I was going to say now that Zimmer's quarterback, their backup's going to win their first game. You're so wrong. That's a hot take, man. That is a hot take because the backup's got to get into the fucking game in order to win. So I don't even know who the backup is there in Jacksonville. Do you? It's not Minshew, I don't think. No, he got traded. Yeah. To me, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean. You're just a hater. I think right now that this is too fast for him. This is this game's too quick. It's going to take him time, and he's. This is, I think his confidence is not growing. I mean, how can you say that after this game? He still lost. Well, yeah, but he had a good game. He didn't turn the ball over. Still lost. 
this guy he's such a hater he's not ready i i said that before he even got there he's not ready it's because of his long hair isn't it that's why you hate him so much not at all was <laughs> it because he looked he reminds you of sunshine from uh what is that? Where are the Titans? Is that what it was? Remember, remember the Titans. Remember the Titans, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the Titans, they lost to overtime to the Jets, another rookie quarterback. That's just crazy. It's the Jets. I know. <laughs> but like they, they didn't have Julio and AJ Brown, but they, they still had uh Henry, who had a good game too. So it it was just it was bad all around. And uh I was in a survivor bowl pick, and now I'm out because stupid Tennessee can't beat the goddamn jets uh i don't know if you guys heard though but urban meyer got in trouble being in ohio too because he stayed a little bit longer after the thursday nighter and there's like photos of him dancing with everyone like that he has since apologized for doing it he said it was stupid he was sitting on a bar stool and some some random blonde chick was grinding up on him and and he was uh he wasn't saying no <laughs> and that blonde chick wasn't his wife so there's uh some issues there like he said he apologized but my understanding is he didn't mention his wife in the presser at all so he's he's probably in trouble yeah yeah (laughs) the whole thing was about the because it was bad for the team because he's the coach and now it's going to give the players all the excuse but i'm sure urban's a legend in that state so it's tough for him not to walk around and people do that to him with And the only thing I saw a little bit of was Brady beating Belichick in the Sunday Nighter yesterday at Foxborough. Brady was not good in this. He did what he had to do to get down and win. He got they got the Ryan Suckup hitting the 48-yard field goal late in the fourth quarter. And he also broke Drew Brees' passing record. Can't remember what it was, but it was over 80,000. He went over 80,000 last week, but it's, he's over now. He's first in the league. And with being that, he's also beaten every team in the NFL, joining only three other quarterbacks, and that's Breeze, Brett Favre, and Peyton Manning. Good company there. Yep. yep. And, well, we, he's already the best quarterback ever, so. Fuck Brady. See, you're just a hater. You can't even acknowledge the greatest quarterback I'm not saying I've never once said he's not, but fucked Brady. It's because he used to have long hair, right? Yeah. <laughs> so New England, New England had a chance to even win this and spoil Brady's win, but uh, Nick Folk's 56-yard field goal hit the upright. And it was kind of a weird play. It was fourth down on Tampa's 37-yard line or something, and they could have gone for it for the fourth down. Like, even if Nick Folk made this, there was still like 56 seconds left on the clock. So we're just talking about A-Rod going down with 37 seconds left. Like Brady can do the same exact thing. So it was, it was a weird decision to do that. I thought by Bilicek, but he, he obviously thinks he did the right thing. Cause he, he wasn't even thinking about going on for fourth down and it was really rainy too. So like, it's going to be weighed down by the, the rain when you kick that. He had, it had the leg though. It just, he just missed it. Do you guys know what the uh, like what Foxborough's reception of Brady was like? Did they cheer at the beginning for him and then start booing him later type thing? Or I heard a couple of people they cheered him when he first came on and when he got the passing record, and then there there was a couple more boos here and there. But it was I I haven't seen 
enough highlights, I guess, to say. But I, that, that that's what I heard from podcasts this morning. Well, there was quite the embrace, too, with uh, Brady and Belichick. You mean how quick it was? No, yeah, well, either other or they still <laughs> went over and hugged one another and whispered into each other's ear. They also reportedly had they had a meeting like a they met up after the game and to have a like an actual conversation. So yeah, they're both they they don't want to do anything in the eye of the public more or less. Like Brady will do it more so, but Belichick will not do it at all. Not unless he's forced to, right? Yeah. All right, so we're gonna get to our locks of the week. Peter and Kev went head to head this week. Peter had the Browns, Kev had the Vikings, and the Browns came up on top. And this was another straight game. The Browns had a dominant defense. Miles Garrett and the defense produced another dominant performance. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt kept the ball moving on the ground to beat them 14-7. Kev, was that a wise decision to take the Vikings? Hey, man, a head-to-head was going to mention you're going to happen anyway, so whatever. I know, but the Vikings have has fucked me twice, and now you... <laughs> <laughs> it's all good i mean this week though i'm not giving it out until like actually thursday i'm not jumping the gun this time i'm waiting it's almost better to jump the gun that's how peter got the browns there yeah man jumping the gun's okay because you get basically your first choice of games right there's only so many games that are four and a half or less so. and if i have to go another head-to-head then so be it mm. i'd rather see head-to-heads happen than you know just straight out i might do another one this week i, I took on pedro hey Josh, I'll do it right now. Team you pick, I'll take the following team. Wow. And then Jesse, next week I'll do the same for you, bud. All right, bud. So yeah. you're just you're just giving throwing points away. Not at all. That's why these that's why those games are close games. Every single one of them has been close games. Been quite some domination. We just talked of But I mean, you're talking about um, the the Raiders one, you know. I mean, it's just they're so close games. I mean, I I'd rather have a challenge than just sit there and say, all right, Josh, I'm going to let you have this win because you you, you picked the winner. I mean, it, can, it can't hurt you. I've always, I'm always been about the underdogs, so bring it. Well, this week I took uh, Baltimore over Denver, and I took him early. And then Lamar Jackson ended up having got hurt and was held out of practice, a couple of practices, so I got really worried after that. But they ended up beating the snot out of them. It wasn't a close game. And, the, yeah, the Ravens – one twenty three seven, and then there was issue which we'll get in my penalty box about running for over hundred yards to get that tie that NFL record, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Bridgewater was knocked out of this game too, so I think that was part of the issue. But I don't think it would have made a difference if he stayed in. It just made more of a route that he got knocked out and Drew Locke came in. Yosh picked his Bears yeah. against the Lonely Lions. You know why that spread was so close was just because of how badly the Bears were the week before. <laughs> yeah, man, that's probably the only time I'll be able to take the Bears to win here, so I had to I had to go with them when I could. No, it was the quarterback for the Lions. That's why. You got golf. Yeah, he he put up a pretty solid game. He turned the ball over a bunch, but that's what he does. Yep. So yeah, Fields finally gets his first win after a second start. I guess it's not finally, but. It was a much improved start. I think he, Josh said yesterday that he got above the amount of yards he got last week in the first drive or something. First, first quarter, <laughs> I think it was, yeah. Which was net of one last <laughs> last week. And it was the the ninth lowest total in league history. But that's all water under the bridge because now we've got another, I've got a W. Um, 
you know, Fields is uh is on his way. Although I did see today that that Nagy said that Dalton is still the QB one when he's comes back, but believe it when I see him. And- if he wants to get fired, that's the right way to do it. But- yeah. <laughs> I think it, I think it's all smoke. He's just trying to make I don't know who the Bears are playing this week, but just trying to make the uh, defensive coordinator sweat more or less and prepare for because Dalton's a statue and and Fields can run around, right? So it's, it's almost two different game plans at that point for sure. So season total is Peter is at two and two, I am at two and two, Kev is at two and two, and Yosh is at three and one. Yeah, yeah. But this week. Kev's going to take him down. I'll be cheering for Yosh. you. Yeah, yep. for sure. We'll see about that. Pick a good one, Yosh. I'm going to. All right. <laughs> we'll be getting into another local team of ours in just a minute. This week, our MVP for points and penalties is the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills. <laughs> the Bills are the first team with multiple 35-plus point shutouts in a season since 2009. Guess what team that was? No challenge here. Uh, New England. No. Huh? I don't have to say the Bills. No. Oh, damn it. The Jets. <laughs> i didn't think you guys would get that one <laughs> no definitely not that was a uh, rex ryan years but the bills have outscored their last three opponents 118 to 21 and that was against washington that actually scored against them and a lot of that was garbage time <laughs> and then this week they took the ball the defense for the bills took the ball away from the texans five times four ints and a forced fumble the Bills are the first team since the 2000 Baltimore Ravens to earn two shutouts in the first four games of the season. The Ravens has the modern era NFL point record per game allowed. I'm not sure what the modern era point what, what it, or how far it was back, but I, I would think that the Bears, it was the 86 Bears defense. That was like super, super good. I don't even remember, man. It's 86. Or E9. Doesn't matter. I don't, we know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was with Ditka, and they were dominant. But, yeah, so the modern NFL record here for points per game allowed, which is 10.3, and ranked first in the league in nine defensive categories. This was the 2000 Ravens. 2000 Ravens allowed just 23 points in four postseason games during that time, not allowing an offensive touchdown in the Super Bowl 35 victory over New York Giants. I'd love to see the Bills so I could recreate that. That'd be awesome. Well, that's the thing is they're putting up great points too. I think they're second in the league in average points and then stupid Zona is first. So the Bills rank first in seven major categories including points and allowed yards allowed at 217 almost yards per game. The 14-point victory was the second largest shutout win in franchise history as the Bills held the Texans to just 109 yards and six first downs. Wow. Yeah. Like, we knew this. Houston was a bad team, and they played the Jets before. So it's not really shocking, even though the Jets got their first win. These are bad teams. But Buffalo is also a really good team. And then finally here that I have here is Buffalo 
will join 2000 Ravens and 1991 Washington football team. The only teams to post shutouts in the first four weeks since 1990. Both these teams went on to win the Super Bowl. That's, that, my, my one, just, just hear me, guys. Since it was the 1991 football team, could we not state their name because then it was okay? Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse is not getting thrown under the bus here. That's just the name they they understand. That's all. I think it should be all right, but I get it. Well, then you can say it if you really feel that's, like no, it, bud. That's why I still <laughs> stated the football team. Mm-hmm. Either way, this is hell of a week for the Bills. Hell of a couple weeks here and a great month, first month of the season for the Bills. Um, I think we all knew they were going to be good, but did we know they were going to be this good? Yeah, and that uh, first loss of Steelers looks kind of ridiculous too they all played them in that game they just pittsburgh's defense just showed up at the end there so mm-hmm. these guys are looking and they're just going to run over everyone except though next week is the afc championship game kc that'll be interesting that will be interesting because they give up a lot of points but cheers to buffalo bills on a great september cheers boys all right kids let's jump into the nba it's going to be short and sweet because there's still fuck all going on. Although preseason uh, is going on. I believe the Raps are playing the 76ers as we speak. But the Denver Nuggets have added Michael Porter Jr. He was already on the team, but they have re-signed him or extended him on a five-year max extension, which could be worth up to $207 million. Now, Michael Porter is a young, a young player who has you know lots of potential here. And signing him to this contract basically gives the Nuggets, you know, we've been talking about a big three in a lot of the, a lot of the cities, a lot of the teams. And this kind of adds a, a fourth guy for the Nuggets. So they got Jamal Murray, uh, Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. And the other guy was uh, Aaron Gordon. Right. And so that's, you know, it's a pretty, pretty solid uh, top four guys there. And, uh, you know, they did very well last year. And for the last say third of the season, they did it without Jamal Murray. I think signing this guy to a long-term contract is uh, is going to be nothing but good for the Nugs. I guess we'll see shortly how they uh, how they come out with this and if they're going to be a top-end West team. Obviously, the West is going to be uh, it's going to be real tight again in the West. Lots of really good teams out there, and we'll, uh, it matters that if the old guys can stay healthy, hundred percent, because this is a young team, so yeah, they they can play a little bit longer on the court, I think, and not need an immediate ice bath right after <laughs> yeah like the entire league <laughs> yeah <laughs> kevin durant had a little run-in with a reporter during a press conference and so this reporter who we knew afterwards who it was but for right now we'll call him we'll call him david detterman <laughs> so he asks kevin durant why he's called kd Durant responds by saying, well, my first name is Kevin with a K and my last name is Durant with a D. So K D. And of course, when I saw it, I was howling because I'm like, this is awesome. Like who the hell is this idiot that's asking this question? And what a good response by KD saying, my name is Kevin with a K. (laughs) (laughs) So it turns out that David Detterman was actually David Letterman. And obviously it was a joke and uh, there was a few other things that Letterman had asked. It was kind of funny. And, and Katie finally, once he realized who it was kind of went along with, 
with Letterman's antics and whatnot. And, and I would imagine Letterman looks completely different than he used to when he had his late night show. Oh, buddy's got a big he's, ass beard. He's got a big old beard. And yeah, so. But he's been on Netflix and with his show there and he still had that beard. So it's kind of weird that was he actually like dressed up or was or no, he had his mask on. I mean, he probably had his beard tucked under his mask or whatever. Okay, so yeah, so it would be tough to see him. Yeah. No idea who he was until he took his mask off. So nothing crazy here. I just thought it was pretty funny that he's oh, like, yeah. uh, it's Kevin <laughs> with a K. <laughs> yeah. uh, I felt that very funny too. It would have been better if he says he's just like, I just like eating crab dinner. Yeah. Well, yeah I, think, sure. I think that's what Letterman was trying to get at. Yeah. You know, they call you KD because you eat craft dinner. I mean see the question is, is like KD is is a Canadian, like that's a Canadian box of fucking yeah. pastas. So, you know, they have mac and cheese, but is it really KD there? Like, is it craft macaroni and cheese? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So to me, to us, that would be fucking hilarious if he says yeah. I would just really like craft dinner, but I don't know <laughs> what that would be like in the US. I don't know if they'd be like, what the fuck is craft dinner? It's mac and fucking cheese, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, carrying on here with the NBA. Uh, everybody's favorite, LeBitch James. This is kind of going to go back to a bit of football here. But so LeBron was on the uh, mon- not just this past Monday, like not tonight. So last Monday, he was on the Eli and Peyton Monday night football show, uh, which if you have not seen, get yourself ESPN2. I believe it's on TSN2 uh, every Monday. It is awesome. They don't commentate on the game. All they do is talk about football and they make jokes and they talk to other superstars, athletes, uh, celebrities and whatnot. And it's a really, it's a really cool show that they do. I really, really enjoy it. After I watched the first one, I was like, there's no way I can watch regular football anymore. Like this is the way I'm watching Monday night football. And they, they'll, they'll call the plays. They'll tell you what to watch for when the, when everybody's up on the line, they call out the mic, you know, it's, it's pretty funny. But anyway, so LeBron was on the show and he said that quarterback is the most difficult position to play in all of sports. So I want to ask you guys, do you agree with LeBron? Is quarterback the toughest position to play? And if not, what position in any sport is more difficult? You know, my answer. I, I, yes, that is the most difficult position in sports. I think there's just so much you need to know pre-snap, and then you have to look for disguises on the defense. You have to remember every play. You have to audible, remember every audible play, uh, O-line shifts. Like there's, you have to, that's what made Peyton Manning so good was he was so cerebral. Like his, his arm was, he threw ducks up there, but he would put them in places where no one could get them but his receivers. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes Brady so good. I mean, this guy's been doing it since he was a kid. I mean, being have trainers that was training him to be as good as he is. Yeah, I'd have to agree, man. There's so much going on for a quarterback. If your first person's not available, you got your second or third right away. If not, man, what do you do? No, it's too quick. And they're, they're, they are they're have to think on a ball, man. These guys are sick. Yeah, like I agree as well. And I was trying to think of, a, of another position, you know, in any sport that would be more difficult than that. And it's a hard one to come up with, like maybe a pitcher. I would say an NHL goalie. Yeah, maybe a goalie, but those are, both of those are basically like, there's a bit, there's some mental stuff to that, but not nearly as much mental as there is for, for a quarterback, you know, as a goalie. Yeah, there's mental, but you just, you got to stand in the way, you know, obviously you got to move and you got to be smart about it, but you know, there's not as much, it's not as much of a mental game 
as a goalie compared to a quarterback. Well, a lot of that is all reactionary, right? Like is is reflexes. So like, like even as a, if you're playing football, not at the quarterback position, a lot of it's reactionary. Like you can put yourself in a good location where you think you've, you, you've seen this play on film or whatever, but a lot of it is all reactionary. Yeah, for sure. And it's the same thing with forwards and stuff like that. I think like, I think you were onto something with the pitcher, the pitcher or the catcher, I would say. Because they got to call the game and they got to they got to know who's going to steal and and then they're obviously not in charge of the shifts like that's the that's the coach that does that or the manager but they still need to they need to know each batter's like how they play where they're weak at where they're really yeah, hot their tendencies yeah. yeah that's the only thing I can come close to tell you the truth so we're all on the same page with Labitch unfortunate and like I said it when he said it. It was awfully difficult. I, I right away I started thinking, who, like, what position would be more difficult? And there, I, I really can't think of anything. I really can't. Like I said, probably maybe the catcher. I never really thought about the catcher, but it makes sense. They're calling that entire game, you know. They and they're they're in there for typically the nine innings. You know, they don't typically don't get yanked when the pitcher gets yanked. Sometimes they do, depending on who the pitcher is that's coming in. They might uh, like a specific catcher, but typically they're back there for the nine innings and. Like I said, the goalie is all re- reactionary. Same like soccer goalie, same thing. You know, basketball is, yeah, you got to run plays and whatnot, but it's nothing like a quarterback. So no man, it's it's all a lot of it's talent too. Like even as a pitcher, you, like you won't go far unless you have like a talented arm. For sure, right? For sure. But we've seen lots of quarterbacks that don't have a ton of talent and they can still do well mm-hmm. based on their brain. And, yeah. and making sure that they are doing the proper thing, you know, like look at Chad Pennington. It was a pretty good example, right? The guy couldn't throw the ball 10 fucking yards down the field, but he was, he was all right overall, you know, all right. He won a bunch of games. That's for sure. But yeah, yeah. you could even think of uh, Alex Smith. He couldn't yep. throw the ball far either. Yep. Exactly. All right. Next up, no vax, no pay. This is uh, going to kind of be doubled up here. Kev's got a little something, something here in his uh, penalty box about this. But the NBA's executive VP of communication says that any player who elects not to comply with local vaccine mandates will not be paid for games that he misses. Uh, So New York and San Francisco currently have vaccine mandates. And we had talked about Andrew Wiggins not wanting to get his vax. And so he, that's, that's a home games for him. That's a lot of games that he's going to be potentially missing here and he's not going to get paid for it. So he's going to have to figure out what's more important, uh, you know, his, a lack of cash flow cash flow because they're going to play in New York too. So it's not going to be just 50% of the games. It's going to be 51% of the games or whatever. Just, it's just, it's interesting. You know, what, what's more important to you is the, is the cash more important is not getting your vaccine more important, you know, is the safety of your teammates and your friends and your family more important. It's a, it's a tough go here. I mean, for, I think for all of us, it's a no brainer. You get the fucking vax play, get paid, but you know, uh, for whatever reason, and I don't think Wiggins is the only one, although there isn't a whole lot in the NBA. Most of the guys are, are getting vaxxed, but it's just interesting. I, I just, I, you know, I know it's not all about the money and whatnot, but it is all about the sport you're playing. Like that you, you're playing basketball because you're passionate about it. You're good at it and you want to be there, but you don't want to get your 5G microchip. <laughs> you know, like. I don't know. To me, it's, it's it's stupid. I think, you know, just using Andrew Wiggins as an example, and yeah, he's Canadian, so maybe I'll, you know, pick on, on him a little more, but you got to go get this thing and, and protect yourself, protect your family, protect your teammates, 
play the games, get paid, and be done with it. Carry on. Fuck, it only hurts your arm for a day. Like, fuck. I'm surprised L.A. I thought L.A. would be part of this uh, vaccine mandate as well. Yeah, that in the, in the article, it was only those two cities that were mentioned. And yeah, not 100% sure on. We talked about it, but I thought they were going to do the, be the exact same thing. But I guess because uh, at SoFi, they, I don't believe you need to be 100% vaccinated because I just don't think you need to be. So it might just be, yeah, San Fran then. I don't know. Do you need to show a negative test still to get into the stadium? Probably. You yeah. probably have to, yeah. Which is pretty much better too. Like you, you should be showing your negative test no matter what. Like getting one if you're going to that. Like mm-hmm. obviously we didn't, but oh, we're double back, so theoretically we're good to go, right? But the the negative test is the better thing, right? Because then you know, like okay, you don't have anything. Yeah, two two days ago or whatever, you didn't have anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can get the rapid test too. There, but those aren't as accurate as the PCR ones. Yeah, yeah. This is just. Just kind of crazy that we're this far into it, and uh, these guys, you know, there's a handful of guys that don't want to get jabbed, and hey, no pay, no play. It is, it is what it is, I guess. You gotta, those guys are gonna have to figure out what's more important to them. I'd be awfully pissed off if I was a guy that played on his team, though, especially because he's a half decent player. He's in there, you know, he's probably the six man coming off the bench type thing. He's a former number one overall pick too, so right, uh, so he's. Like he needs to do something. <laughs> You're hurting your team because you can't play in 50% of the games. And so now there's all that cap space lost. There's all those, that roster spot is lost because, and you can only play for 50%. So it's, I don't know. The, the teams have got to say something. I think it, maybe the team has to come down and say, look, bro, <laughs> you're either getting fucking jabbed or you're not playing at all and you're not getting paid period. You know, I don't know if they can do that with, uh, you know, the CBAs and all that good stuff, but it might trade him. Yeah. Which might work out for him because if he's not in New York or San Francisco and they don't, you know, the location that he's in doesn't have the mandates, then he can still play unless, unless he goes to San Fran or New York to play like for their away game or whatever. So, I mean, I'd be all right with him coming to Toronto, but I think he'll need the vaxes in Toronto. So I think Toronto might be one of the other other uh cities that might do that too yeah and everybody's favorite offseason guy to talk about ben simmons philadelphia 76ers uh last friday were supposed to pay ben simmons 8.25 million dollars which is 25 percent of his contract instead they placed that money into an escrow account and moving forward the sixers will deduct any fines that simmons accrues as the season progresses uh, if or when he does show up, he'll be given the money remaining in it. So he said he's not going to play another game for Philly, and there's going to be there's going to be fines for him not showing up to training camp. There's going to be fines for uh, for this that and the other thing for not fulfilling his end of the bargain, his end of the contract, and uh, they don't want to pay him that eight point two five million. And then he's like, "Screw you guys, I'm not paying your fines either." So they're they're uh, making sure that these fines get paid, and and if he does end up showing up and end up playing for the Sixers. Uh, then he'll get whatever money is left. I really don't think that he's going to play. I think they're going to trade him. I don't know why they haven't yet. Maybe just because of all this BS surrounding him right now. Well, yeah, like he's not coming off as a very friendly team player, right? So no one, and even like I, I heard uh, earlier in the week, Joel Embiid said that the team has basically been built around Simmons. Like they got rid of Jimmy Butler so that Simmons could get the ball more, things like that, and. 
And so meanwhile, this team should be built around Embiid and not Ben Simmons. Like Ben Simmons, when he actually plays and when he actually shoots, isn't a horrible player, but he's scared of shooting in the playoffs, as we saw the last year. He was right under the bucket. I remember one right underneath the bucket. All he had to do was easy lay in and he passed it off and whoever was missed it, turnover. You know, I'm like, dude, you're under the basket. Like, and you're, you know, you're tall as fuck. You're a basketball player. Like, just jump a little bit and lay it in. Like, you know, but he wanted to pass it. For some reason, he didn't want to shoot in the playoffs. Uh, I think that hurt him a lot with the, uh, with other teams. They're saying, look, you know, what was the problem there? Why weren't, why wasn't he shooting? And do we want to bring that onto our team? And it seems like, Kev, you, you say it a lot with uh, these, these, these bad, you know, bad guys that they're cancers, you know, and this guy seems like he's, you know, he's being a cancer here for Philly. And it seems like at least the best player on their team doesn't want him there. You know, and if Embiid doesn't want you in Philly, man, maybe you should fuck right off and go somewhere else, you know? Go join the bitch. No, they already got too many fucking players and too many old players. Not, yeah. Not that, not that Simmons is old, but. He wants to be a starter for, for whatever reason. He doesn't like Embiid and, or the rest of the coaching staff there. We talked about it last week and we couldn't figure out really what exactly he's upset about to do this because he's on a good team. Yeah. And like you said, he just needs to learn how to shoot in the playoffs. Yeah. I think he just wants the ball more. Like he said, I think he wants to be that, you know, he wants to be the number one guy. Right. But if he's not going to shoot, like the number one guy needs to fucking shoot anytime, you know, like you think, you think Michael Jordan's the number one of like, you think he's the goat because he didn't shoot? No, no. Nope. Like he shot lots. He missed a lot of shots. Yep. You know, but he's always wanted that though. He said, I've always wanted the ball in my hand. On well, the last moment. That's what fucking superstars do, man. They always right. want. And that's something that Simmons needs to. Yeah, he's got Embiid to pass it off to, and you know, among others. But you gotta. You're there for a reason. Take your fucking shots. Play good defense. So we were talking about last week, and we were all like, "Like, we'll take him. We'll make room for him on the Raptors." But we know that you're not a big fan of him after even after this. But would you? Would you get him? I don't know, man. You, you didn't bring that up last week, Jesse. You said, I don't know, man. Josh wouldn't want him because Josh don't does. like him. <laughs> my, my thing with it, like, if, if you could get rid of all the extracurricular bullshit and it was just his straight-up basketball play, then fine. Like, obviously, we'd have to work on him shooting in the playoffs, but... We have to get to the playoffs first. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So, I think in that instance, I'd be okay with it, but, you know, taking a page out of Kevin's book with the cancer thing and him just being a distraction and and a pain in the ass to the rest of the team. Oh, I don't want that shit on the team because it's, it is a distraction. It's going to, you know, it's going to pull away from the, from the guys doing what they need to do to get better and to work as a team and, and to gel as a team. So, and how do you, that's what training camp's all about. That's what preseason's all about gelling together as a team. Well, this guy's not going to play now. He, if he were traded, he would play on, on whatever team, but you know, if Nick, Nick nurse says one little thing to him and you know, Ben gets all fucking gets his panties in a bunch and <laughs> you know, it's just going to be a, a, a more distraction. So, so yes and no. Yes. If it was just, if I could just take his straight up ability and, and if he were maybe better at shooting in the playoffs, then yeah, I'd take him. But when you take the whole thing into, into account, no, no, leave him in the U S <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. So you don't want it. No, I'm like I said, I would take him. I, you know what I think we should do? Uh, bring him in and just let him play as much as he wants, be the ball hog, and then trade him at the deadline or something or trade him in the, the following offseason. Maybe. If he's good. Like, he's got to be good so you can get something out of it, right? 
well, he's good in the season. He just sucks in the playoffs. And I don't think we're making the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, but then does that end up, you know, fucking with your, you know, the whole team camaraderie, you know, the, for the like you the... said, he's a kid. He's already, you already think he's a cancer, anyways. We're trying to get some draft picks here or better players. <laughs> oh, maybe they need to sign him. I just got a notification. Chris Boucher is out three to four weeks. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. That's not good. After having surgery on a dislocated left middle finger. Come on, man. It's a fucking oh. middle finger. It's on your left hand, too. Just tape it together. Yeah, tape it to your <laughs> fucking ring finger. You're good to go. That's what we would do. Yep. It's definitely what a hockey player and a football player would likely do. No doubt. In regards to this uh, 8.25 mil that they're holding back kind of thing, Canucks finally gave up some money. Oh, yeah. They signed them. They signed Hughes and Patterson. Patterson signs a three years at 7.35 or 7.35 million per year. Hughes signed six years, showing to be a 7.85 million per year. Patterson will be one year away from the UFA at the end of the deal. If unhappy, the Vans performance will potentially take the 8.82 million qualifying offer and walk in a free agency for next year. Which makes sense. He he wants to play, but he wants to play for a good team, which obviously everybody does. Right. So this this makes sense that if, if uh, the Canucks are shit over the next three years, then he'll say, screw it. Give me my qualifying offer. I'm done. And he'll walk away, take that cash, put it in the bank, and then sign with somebody else. Makes sense to me. And make more cash. <laughs> and make more cash, exactly. And he's a good player, man. He's a really good player. So, Right. No, they are. I mean, it's good that they finally signed them because they definitely needed them. Well, and I wonder what kind of uh, shuffling they had to do with the cap, because I remember a few weeks ago, Pete Sam telling us that they had like zero cap space to sign these two guys. So it'd be interesting to look further into this and, uh, and see how they made that space, the cap space come available. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe we'll ask Pete that, that next week. We'll have to highlight that and we'll ask him again. Going on with Robin Leonard, uh, accuses NHL teams of medical malpractice. Another NHLer not a fan of the, <laughs> the team doctors. Well, Robert Leonard, he's um, he has a uh, mental issues. He's definitely open and admitted, admitted that he has some kind of disorder that does, that, that he needs help with. But uh, he's now um, accusations, including offering benzodiazepines. Sorry, benzodiazepines. That's pretty good, man. That's that's what I would have said. Yeah. <laughs> So basically, they're giving him this stuff with no prescription for it. So I don't know what this this drug does, but it's obviously not doing him any good. Well, Ambien is like a, a sleeping uh, drug. It's like a sleeping drug, yeah. So I don't, I can't see that being too big of an issue. But I don't know what the other one is because it's a, I can't even fucking say it, let alone figure out what the fuck it, it is. <laughs> right. Does this guy have like concussion issues? No. Um, if, if it is any kind of um, issues, I think it's if they're trying to give him something to relax or is more of a mental issue, they just want to, I wouldn't say put him to sleep or get him to forget about it, but. No, but like concussions leads to mental issues, right? So like that's, I'm just curious about that and putting the ambient because like there's a lot of, I know in the NFL, like the players that have the CTE and everything like that struggle to go to sleep. So Maybe that's what that's for. If he's got a, if he's got a bunch of concussions, possible. I mean, quite possible. So it says here, familiar names would include Valium and Xanax. 
So that's perfect for uh, depression, right? So that's right. Uh, so as depressants, drugs which lower brain activity, they are prescribed to treat conditions such as anxiety, insomnia, and seizures. There you go. Yeah. He they don't have prescriptions for that, but they're giving it to him. I thought Ambien was like over the counter stuff. Anyways, I thought it was too, but maybe not so much. Now it goes on to saying that Leonard made allegations on Twitter on Saturday. He told ESPN to call attention to the sur- surgery settlement between his former teammate, Jack Eichel, and the Buffalo Sabres. The Swedish goalie threatened to release one story a day unless things are fixed or getting fixed. NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly and the ESPN that the league is trying to facilitate an interview with Leonard for more information about his claims. He's holding them like hostage. Yeah. So basically uh, what it comes down to here is he's, he's saying that these NHL doctors are just doing whatever the fuck they want. They're not following proper medicinal protocols uh, to, for the, for these prescriptions and so on and so forth. And again, like he said, they're calling attention to the surgery stalemate there between Eichel and the Sabres. Eichel wants to go in one way with the surgery. The Sabres want him to go another way. I believe that Eichel's had uh, multiple doctors tell him which way that they would go and whatnot and he wants to do i can't remember exactly what eichel wants to do versus what the sabers want to do i think eichel is he wants to do the more extreme surgery kevin knows what is it's the fuse right they want to fuse his vertebrae to keep it basically like to one movement kind of i mean they can still have movement because i have a friend that had that done but he wants something to actually replace like um artificial kind of vertebrae and such to be put in there so he has full movement of his neck still not have a certain point where he can't turn mm. and at his age i mean you he's might young. as well right yeah. yeah he's young he'd be able to heal faster i mean but well, he's got a long career still too so it, it's going to suit him better to be able to turn his head all the way around yeah so yeah i think this is pretty crazy that he's uh, accusing these teams of doing it and he, he did say that to be clear that the uh, the vegas knights are not one of these teams that just give out drugs without prescriptions and whatnot. I, I do remember seeing that. And I, I actually was reading a bunch of these uh, tweets that he had sent out. You know, it's kind of interesting that he did it over Twitter, but I guess that's the way things go now is, uh, you know, big things come out on social media before uh, before you hear about it on the sports channels and whatnot. And this this one story a day thing, I don't, it'd be interesting. I don't know if he tweeted yesterday to tell us a story or did he tweet today? It's Monday. Did he, so do we have, do we have two stories now? I don't know. It, he should really be sticking to his guns here if he's trying to if he's trying to fix this or you know trying to get somebody to fix the the NHL medicinal practices. Then he definitely needs to break these stories out, let people For know, sure. so that he's not full of shit, right? Because right now we're like, well, who knows? Maybe he's just full of shit, just trying to bring attention to himself because he's the number one goalie in Vegas now. I mean, this is on Twitter too, so and Twitter has does not have a good reputation of being credible. So, right. so like him doing this on Twitter just seems weird where he could easily just go to a reporter and a reporter would love to eat this up, this story oh, up. I sure. would, and it, and then at least, and you got to obviously go to a credible source, but or a credible media uh, newspaper or, or whatever. But at this point, just doing it, releasing it on Twitter and then threatening. He said that he has mental issues and now he's going even further to, to blackmail them. Like it's... It's, it sounds really fishy. Like, I don't want to say he, he doesn't have these stories or anything like that, but it just seems really, the way that he's doing it doesn't make 
any sense to me. I like I said, I think you should release these stories every day. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, do what you said, you know. Well, who now, knows if they're true? Well, that's the thing. We don't we don't know that. And obviously, that's what Bill Daly is trying to find out. He's like, if you got all these stories and you could potentially be telling a story every day for the next two months, type thing. If you've got that many stories, you know, then there's a real fucking issue. And that's why Bill Daly is going to try and get to the bottom of it and go right to the horse's mouth. That's probably why maybe nothing has been said yet. Maybe you guys told him, if you say anything, we're going to, you know. Well, that's the other thing too, right? There's all the whole CBA. There, there's a whole lot of legal mumbo jumbo that you can and can't do. And, you know, obviously some guys don't give a shit about that, but you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know what these, what these drugs here without prescriptions, what it's going to do. Like, are they giving, you know, are these doctors giving them a fucking Advil bottle full of fucking Ambien? Without the prescription, that's a little different. And instead of being like, "Here, man, here's one," because you need to sleep tonight on a plane, that's right. a little different, right? Yeah. So, you know, we obviously don't know all the ins and outs of this, but uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see over the next uh, coming couple of days or, or a couple of weeks here, for sure. And going on to some Leafs that they have signed, a Kitchener boy, Homer News, Braden Kressler to a three-year ELC, the 18-year-old undrafted free agent. Played in the OHL with the Flint Firebirds. Hopefully he didn't drink the fuck on water. <laughs> what's what's the ELC? Entry-level contract. Oh, okay. So he's going to be playing with the AHL? Oh, yeah, to start out with. He's, well, he's 18, so can he play? Pete, we talked about this a lot too long ago. Pete said there was an age limit. You had to be... I think he was like 18, 19. He's probably still playing with the OHL then at that point. He might still be playing with the OHL or maybe just going into the A. Because yeah, the NHL will accept an 18-year-old. The NHL will, but the AHL has a – you have to be between a certain age to play in the – A, or sorry, not in between a certain age, but you have to be at a certain age before you can play in the AHL. Otherwise, you have to go to the CHL. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the same age between uh, 18 to 21. It might – yeah, it might be 18. And you have to be at least 18 to play in the, in the uh, AHL. Because I remember us talking about somebody that was like 16 a few weeks ago – and he couldn't play in the AHL, and I was confused. And then that's what what Pete had said. Unless you're exempt or some for for some kind of reason. So I think something like that happened to McDavid when he was coming through. I don't know. Uh, the Leafs also extend uh, Coach uh, Sheldon Keefe for two years. Chief Keefe. <laughs> the script that stuff is really good. Through the two for the 23-24 season, uh, they believe in him, but uh, it's a prove me contract. At two years, not five. Yeah, for sure. Like I said before the show, like they, they believe in him, but they don't really believe in him. Otherwise, they would have just they given, him given him a five-year five. contract. True facts. I don't know. I mean, he's still a young coach. He's still he's still coaching young kids. So I, I would play with the two. I wouldn't want to give him something five, and then next thing you know, it's just shit the bed again. I mean, you can always fire him. <laughs> yeah, the Leafs have money. So, like, if the two years are up, then – they finally got out of the first round, then yeah, they're going to pitch him a bunch of money. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be that much for them to do that because he's, he's not part of their, uh, their cap. Right. So they're taking it a couple years at a time here. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it'd be interesting to find out, and maybe this, I should have probably looked this up, but when are all the big players, when are all their contracts up in Toronto? I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the next two to three years. Yeah, right. I, I, I think so, too. I honestly do. I know Matthews is due to come up. Right. And, I mean, the guy's going to want the money. Well, he deserves it, too. He's been fucking great ever since he stepped on the ice in Toronto. Right. I know that there's something on the television now. 
in regards to some kind of Leafs all or nothing has been released finally. Yeah, it's like a docu-series. It's on yeah. Prime. I saw it. I just haven't watched it yet. So uh, Peter's already binge-watched it all as the, the superstar that he is. Surprise, surprise. Now it says there's, there's a stark reminder of how good the team was in the regular season and how all-in they were adding Nick Foligno. A good look behind the scenes at some of the day-to-day interactions around the team. Uh, they turned better win around this year. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they can do it this year. You don't think they're going to win around this year, Kev? Again? No. Wow, hot take. I mean, maybe it's not. I that mean, hot. that's not it's a not hot take. Hot. <laughs> that's <laughs> a lukewarm take, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> if history repeats itself, like it's on his side. <laughs> I think I said, though, guys, I'm not going to cheer for anybody this year. I'm just going to be a fan. I'm not jumping on bandwagons. I'm just going to watch and see how I feel. And I just might jump onto the other team that uh, Sittler played for after the Leafs. If you notice, Kev's the only fucking guy that will ever waver from his favorite team. He doesn't like Atlanta anymore. Might go with the Raiders. Hey, I'm watching the Raiders right now. He's not a fucking Leaf fan. He might be a Philly fan, you know, but even through thick and thin, you know, the Bears have been shit for 100 years. I still like him. I mean, he's way older than you, too. So he's, see, he's seen a lot more. So he's thinking like... In, There's too many hurts, man. Way too now many Now he's hurts. thinking of his time's almost up. I want to pick a team that can actually win the cup. <laughs> give me, yeah, give me some kind of satisfaction. So celebrate before he dies. That's right. <laughs> oh, shit. So regular season does end up starting, guys, here on the October 12th with a double header that includes the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're raising their third Stanley Cup. There's, sorry, they're raising the third Stanley Cup champion banner before facing the Pittsburgh Penguins at the uh, NML Arena at 7.30 p.m., following by the uh, very first regular season game for the NHL's 32nd franchise, the Seattle Kraken, who will play against the Vegas Golden Knights at T-Mobile Arena at 10 p.m. Uh, the Leafs opening season um, will start October 13th against the Montreal Canadiens. Ooh. Oh, God, I hope they lose that game. It'd be so <laughs> funny. <laughs> I don't know if they will, man. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be playing hard as fuck to win that game. I mean, they will, but it's it's kind of like when the Rams beat Patriots last year. Like I was, I was like, that was our Super Bowl. <laughs> This is this is your Stanley Cup right here. First game of the year. Great. <laughs> now, because of that, uh, guys, we're just going to jump right into my uh, crappy football league here. As we all know, it's the CFL. Uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, head coach Paul LaPolice. La, La LaPolice. <laughs> I was very happy with rookie quarterback Caleb Evans. Um, after he led the team to just their second win this season in, the, in his first CFL start. So that's pretty cool. Even though it's a they got to win finally. Yeah, finally. <laughs> uh, going on, we have uh, Sean um, Bain and um, Malik Henry score their, uh, Malik. their first. Malik? Malik Hen- Henry score their first touchdowns of their CFL careers for the Calgary Stampooders in a 23-17 to 17 win over the visiting Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Saturday. 
Uh, we have David um, Coates, 36-yard field goal in overtime, earned the Montreal Alouettes. They come from behind, 23-20 win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Saturday as well. Now we have a uh, Duke Williams is returning to the uh, crappy football league. I believe he started there um, in um, 17, 2017 and 18 with the uh, with the Edmonton Eskimo, well, um, Edmonton Elks now. Sorry, guys. I don't want to go there since it is the same name that it was back then. Um, we're the CFL all-star in the later years. Williams spent the past two seasons with the Buffalo Bills. So welcome back to the crappy football league. Yeah, this guy was a first-round talent, but he had a lot of off-the-field issues. Uh, and he was picked up by the Rams. I remember him in the Jeff Fisher days. And he, I don't even think he made the team. <laughs> and we had no wide receivers at that point. Was he drafted? No, in, undrafted. In oh, okay. Undrafted, because he had so many issues. But he, he was supposedly, like, one of the – like maybe not first round, but like second round. Like he was had a lot of talent, but he just yeah. couldn't put it all together. Athletic freak. He was huge too. He was he was like a miniature version of uh, Calvin Johnson, just massive and tons of speed, but just couldn't didn't couldn't put everything together. So would you call him Minitron? No, he wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't nearly that good. Like he had the same build as as Megatron, but but. Obviously not the talent. Now, speaking of some kind of talent, I guess Toronto has now uh, edged herself back up to the top spot with a four and three record, which gives them what Jesse loves to hear, eight points. Yeah, and, they just uh, made a fuss out of it at one time. I just, I just think it's dumb. Okay. I think we're trying to be too much like the NHL. Right, well, yeah, I guess. And we got the, uh, the Tiger Cats. In uh, second with four and four record, which gives them eight points. Montreal Alouettes in third with a three and four record, which gives them six points. And then we have the uh, last pay last place, Ottawa Red Blacks with a two and five record, which gives them four points. Going into the West, which I will state uh, probably will win the Grey Cup once again, is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, which is on top with a seven and one record, which gives them 14 points. I don't see. I don't. I really don't think anybody else is going to beat these guys. Not not now. We have Saskatchewan in second, with a five and three record, which gives them ten points. BC Lions in third with a four and four record, which gives them eight points. Calgary in fourth with a three and five record, which gives them six points. And then you have the Edmonton Elks in last place with a two and five record, which gives them only four points. That's news for us for the uh, crappy football league. Going into our golf, we have some news here. Uh, we have Sam Burns ran off a ran off four birdies in a six-hole stretch to start the back nine to pull away for a five-under 67 to win the Sanderson's Farms Championship on Sunday for his second PGA Tour victory this year. I don't even know who this guy is, man. Sam right. Burns. You've watched a lot more golf than I have. Does he is he in most tournaments or he's in a bit, but I mean this is you know one of the flukes, I guess. I mean, you see him in there, but he's not in the like the top tens. He could be in the top twenties, but yeah. you, you'll see his name. Yeah. 
Now, speaking of someone's name that we all know how um, Bryson DeChambeau can actually wallop a, uh, a golf ball. So I guess right after that uh, Riders Cup, he would decided to go into a long ball tournament um, for his first uh, foray into the world of the long, uh, long drive has come to an end for him. DeChambeau made it to the final eight of the Professional Long Drivers Association World Championship but was eliminated in the uh, quarterfinals Friday night in um, Mesquite, Nevada. DeChambeau uh, squeaked into the top eight in the final spot for the round of robin of 16 golfers. He hit a 406-yard drive in his first set, which was good for second in his group to um, Martin Baumbrogman. Rogmeyer? Rogmeyer. Rogmeyer, yeah. Rogmeyer. 416-yard drive. DeChambeau's uh, best drive for the whole tournament reached 412 yards in the first round and was able to reach the 400-yard mark at least nine times. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, man. They're and elevated, they, though, aren't they? No, they're straight. I it's mean, not an elevated tee? Not an uh, No. Not oh, elevated. I thought it was. Okay. No, they're drawn flat grass. Okay. I mean, I know they made courses for Tiger Woods way back when. Are they going to have to start lengthening some golf courses because of this guy's power? No, because he's not constantly winning. His no. short game is shit. So, like, just because you can drive the ball but you 400 can get yards. Up. Right, but that's getting on to a, you know, on and one on a, like, yeah. a part four. But is he three-putting? Because then he's still – He's still getting a par four, right? Or get or, or five. Like it's, I don't think he's he's good, but I don't think he's Tiger good. I don't think they're gonna start re rebuilding uh, courses for him. Maybe maybe in the future if he can consistently hit four hundred yards off the tee in tournaments, fine. Maybe, but I don't know. It's like you said, he's still gotta he's still gotta have a short game in, in golf because like mm-hmm. you can wall but as far as you want but if you if you can't chip and putt you then you're happy Gilmore then right well I mean just look at the four of us right you guys usually outdrive me every time usually yeah but my short game is better and I win I win more games because whether it's a short game or not I'm assuming it is right if I if I'm hitting three quarters of the length you guys are off the tee but I can make it up on the short game right yeah so, yeah, no, like, I I don't think they'd be changing it either. Like, no. he can hit it as hard as he can, but he needs to. Not until he it, starts winning more and more. If he's consistently winning, like, every fucking week, then then they might. And Tiger was a generational talent. 100%. Yep. It's different. Now, speaking of um, clocking a ball as hard as you can to now going into our uh, UFC I'm just going to throw off some of the October events that are going off. I think I've done this once before, but we do have October 9th, which is coming up pretty soon for a fight night with Duran versus Rodriguez. And that's going to happen out in Las Vegas on the 16th of October. We have uh, the UFC fight night as well. Holmes versus uh, Dumont, which is also going to be held out of Vegas. Is that Holly Holm? Yes. Is this, is this for a title or? It's just fight nights. I don't know if there was titles involved or not. There, there possibly could be, but um, I think just fight nights are just, you know, warm ups for the actual big ones. 
But I know there are titles that do go, do go out and fight nights. I should have looked a little bit more into that if they actually are titles or not. Uh, but uh, going with the 23rd of October, uh, UFC fight night once again. We have Costa versus um, Vittori. Vittori. Uh, also happening out in Vegas. And then we have the big one on the 30th of October is the UFC 267. And we have Blachowicz uh, versus um, Texteria. Teixeira. <laughs> Teixeira? <Teixeira>, yeah. <laughs> okay. So we have Teixeira, and that's actually going to happen out in Dubai. So that's probably one to watch for sure. I'm sure there's definitely titles on the map on that big card there. We always are. So one thing I do or hopefully have believed that with regards to the UFC, that the, all the fighters are either double vaxxed or not, but we're going to go into that box of mine. Um, but the athletes that aren't double vaxxed or are at least getting vaccinated, get the vid stuff, man, get that vid vaccination. I mean, like, I don't want to be able to sit there and have a game that I want to go watch. Like, say, Murray's come to Toronto if, they, if they're going to let him play there or not. But I have tickets for him to come to, to go watch him, and he's not there because he's not vaccinated. Like, I don't know, man. Like, monies are, like, obviously you're talking, Yosh, about, you know, they're going to start stripping people of money. I mean, they're not paying you. It's just stupid that you don't go out there and get it done. That's all. I mean, the thing with – with you know the money these guys are millionaires right most of them have cash still they're not like Allen iverson who just blow their fucking paycheck as soon as they get it type thing so they they've got cash so maybe the money thing isn't as you know as important as it seems to you and i you know when we think about you he lost a hundred thousand dollars on that game just because he didn't get a, a needle it seems asinine but for him he's like you know my my beliefs are more important than that hundred grand. Now, obviously that hundred grand turns into a couple million pretty fucking quick, but you know, as I said, in the NBA segment, it's they, these guys need to figure out what's most important to them. You know, is not getting jabbed and not getting your 5g microchip. Is that more important than, than losing the money? You know, which one is it? And I totally agree with you, Kevin. It would suck to go and you want to see your favorite team and your favorite player isn't there because he can't play because he doesn't have the backs. Right. Uh, that's, that's on all aspects of sports here, guys. I mean, I know that there's somebody in the NHL, they said, okay, if you're not going to get vaccinated, we're going to pay you AHL money. And he's like, no, I'm not playing then. So he's not even going to play in the NHL and he's not going to play for the AHL. So the guys just like, so forget it. I'm not, I'm not playing then. Huh. And obviously, as you mentioned before, then this sport is not the sport that you really want to do then. I mean, because people who love their, their, their sport will do whatever they have to to play it. I mean, unless, you're, unless yeah. your beliefs are yeah. so strong, right? And, I mean, everybody's entitled to whatever they want to do, whatever they feel. You know, obviously, we think it's asinine. Just get the fucking needle and get it done and over with. Even if you need to get a fucking booster in a year, whatever, just get it done. Yep. You know? Um, but... Uh, Oh, it, just, I mean, it just limits you in doing anything, let alone so like you you can't do anything. So he's not going to be spending money to begin with. Like you can't travel without having the vax vaccine to other a lot of other countries for the most part. I think and, you can do it with a 
with a uh, negative test, I think you could travel, but certain certain places will for sure. Yeah. But but a lot of the places are, are starting to go towards that. For sure. And and like yeah, they're gonna make this decision now, but like once they see their bank account rolling down or they don't have any other investments, or like you said, look for another sport there, Kev. Like maybe they just don't they this is a job to them. This is the this is just what they want to do right now. They're looking for something maybe afterwards now. Right. But anything afterwards now, you're still going to probably have to get the jab. For yeah. Sure. A lot of like, you're going to, you're, you got a small niche then at that point, especially if you want to stay in the entertainment industry. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. So uh, as you're just finishing up on that uh, topic there, the mind there, Jesse, do you want to carry on with who you got in your box? Yeah, for sure. So I got John Harborough here. Um, we talked about it earlier. It was just, they went, he wanted to get that record or tie that record for 100 rushing yards in consecutive games at 42. And he did this with his franchise quarterback, Lamar Jackson. I get records and everything like that, but this just seems idiotic to me. Like, like you, you don't want to put, especially your franchise quarterback who was not practicing this week in jeopardy. And he's just lucky. I know there was a lot of defensive players on the uh, Broncos that were hooting, hollering and everything afterwards because they were so pissed that they did this instead of just taking a knee. Now the record's cool. Like they tied it, but. Even uh, his quarterback thinks that that was silly. Uh, I got a quote here saying uh, he was surprised by the decision, saying, I don't know what Harbaugh was thinking. I thought we could have taken a knee. The game was put away by double A, which was Anthony or Air, uh, Everett, that caught the pick in the back of the end zone. Congratulations to him, but I don't know what coach was thinking there. And then he came out today. He was like, it was 100% my call. He was like, we're supposed to boost the players and everything like that. And then this week we'll go for the record. It's a new record. Or make him a new record. But uh, Fangio, he came out and also said that it was bullshit. But I expected that from them. Fangio also was a coach with Harbaugh and the Ravens um, back in, I think, 2009 it was. But uh, so the reporter asked him why he expected the Ravens to run a play. He said, uh, because I just know how they operate. That's just their mode of operation. Their player safety is secondary, which is a pretty bold statement to accuse another coach of, especially one that you uh, used to play for, not play, well, coach for. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence on this one, like, I don't know. I, I agree that it, you know, they, they probably should have just taken the knee and just packed the game up. But, you know, I I also read a little blurb today that Harbaugh was saying like he did it for his players. He did it for the coaching staff uh, so that they can all be part of this record and have something to, you know, to, to chalk up as something that they did, you know, as as a group and whatnot. And so I understand that side of it too. Um, I guess I didn't really think about the player safety aspect until hearing uh, Vic Fangio saying it, but that's what I was thinking, especially that you, you did it with 
Lamar Jackson. Well, doing it with Lamar is stupid. Just give it to your fucking running back. Yeah. So that was my ma- my major thing that was kind of dumb. But at the same time, too, like you already have running backs. How many IR running backs? Like yeah. you're struggling with them to begin with, and you you want to get this like. I don't know. He says he's doing it for his players, but I think he's kind of selfishly doing it for himself because it'll be on his name day that like that he was part because he he's been coaching this whole time, right? These forty two consecutive games, so yeah. it, it's it's he says it's for the coaches and the players, but it's really only going to be his main name attached to it because this was before Lamar and with Lamar, right? Yeah, when it comes on to the player safety, it's definitely uh, it was definitely stupid of him to do. But but I understand him wanting to get that tying the record, and I I, you know, I understand him wanting to go for it again next week. Uh, you know, obviously, probably next week they'll probably try a little harder to get it before the last couple seconds. But uh, <laughs> well, I think I think Fangio went out of his way to stop them because well. Plus, you what, what you want to make Lamar do is make him throw because that's he's better at running, right? So I think Fangio went out of his way to make sure that they could not run on him. And then they ended up doing great. He threw a bunch. He got a bunch of yards passing, and and they just ended up destroying Denver. And Denver had this was the first game Denver gave up more than a hundred yards in rushing this yeah. year. So um, you know, I. I I could see where Fangio's pissed off there too. Like my team has held everybody to to under a hundred yards so far, and then on the last game of the or last uh, snap, you you know you run it and and whatnot. So I see both sides of this story here. Um, I didn't mind it until I started thinking about the player safety, and that's the big thing. And like you said, Jesse, they've got so many guys on IR already. Why do you want to? Literally, if Lamar goes on IR, the season's done. They're gone done yeah exactly. just pack it in so why do you put this guy in harm's way you know he's in harm's way for fucking 59 minutes and 50 seconds all, <laughs> all game you know this is a time where you can just have him kneel and just get off the field unscathed and and harbaugh decided not to so um that's interesting that his thought process there so who do you have in your box all right so i'm going with some ncaa college football Saturday. Uh, so the South Carolina Gamecocks versus Detroit Trojans on a, not a super high profile game, but so on the first play of the fourth quarter against Troy, South Carolina had the opportunity to put away the visiting Trojans for good with a strip sack on third and nine, putting the ball on the ground where it was recovered by the Gamecocks, a Gamecocks defensive lineman attempted to return the football, but ended up fumbling where it was picked up by teammate Jamar Brown. Brown ran the ball, uh, ran the ball back the rest of the way where he flicked the ball out of the end zone before crossing the touchdown plane. As a result, what should have been a touchdown for the Gamecocks was instead ruled a touchback, giving Troy back possession of the football. So this is uh, just like uh, Deshaun Jackson a handful of years ago. Thinks he's hot shit. I got this touchdown. Drops the ball before he gets into the end zone. And in this case, it bounced out of the back of the end zone for that touchback, giving, like I said, giving Troy the ball back in the 20, which is crazy. And, uh, I mean, South Carolina ended up winning the game. They still, they still won 23-14, so this wasn't a huge turning point in the game. But, um, but so the sequence of this play, if you listen to this, so fumble, fumble recovery, fumble, fumble recovery, fumble, touchback. 
<laughs> because technically him throwing the ball or flipping the ball is a, is a fumble. So pretty crazy. We've seen it before. We've seen it in the pros. I never thought I would see it again because you think all these players have got to fucking learn from the Deshaun Jackson saga with the, this whole thing. You'd think that these guys would be hanging onto the ball until they're halfway through the end zone at least before they flip it. But uh, not so much for, for Jamar Brown. And, and I was watching um, – I wasn't watching the game, but when I was watching some video on it and they were doing the, uh, the replay – or the reviews, sorry, and uh, to see what actually happened. And his face was, it was so funny. He's like, <laughs> I saw it. His eyes are all bug-eyed. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. And then when he realized what was all going through his head and everything, what all was going on, that they lost possession, no touchdown, he just, he looked like he was just, I don't know. He just looked like he was fucked. He's like, oh, my God, these guys are going to kill me in the room. The coach is going to rip me a new one. You know, he's lucky that they won because if that turned out to be, you know, where they maybe they went down or it was tied or something and they give the ball back and and Troy has to drive down the field, maybe they score to win it. That would be even worse. Luckily for uh, for Jamar Brown, the Gamecocks held on to win, but uh, still crazy and just goes to show you hang on to the fucking football until you're right in the fucking end zone. Like, don't. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I get it. You're, you're all excited. Yeah. Fucking right. I'm the best. You know, you flip the ball because you're a little cocky, but man, just hang on to the fucking thing. Just hang on to it. I mean, like it happened with Jackson, like in his like first or second year or whatever. And that was a long time ago. Cause he's like 30, 34 or something like that now. So he's, he's, He's up there in age, so this guy probably wasn't even paying attention to football then. So it's <laughs> brand brand new for him. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, if the guy would actually, you know, cross the plane, all the cocks would have come together and celebrated then, right? So this this cock just did not hold on to the ball long enough and did a little flippy magoo and yeah. He flipped he flicked his ball. Yeah, he went flippy magoo with the ball. Fucking cock and balls, man. I can't hold on to his ball. <laughs> anyway, that's it for my uh, for my penalty box. So I guess I guess it's Jamar Brown that's in my box here um, for being stupid and pulling it to Sean. I mean, like you give Troy some shit here too. Like, how many times do they fumble? <laughs> they they, you know, they just have... just the once, <laughs> just just off the stri- uh, strip sack. The next fumble was by the defensive lineman, which was recovered oh. by uh, covered by Jamar. And then Jamar fumbled it by letting it go before the line. So, mm. so Troy only fumbled it once. So, anyway, guys, let's uh, let's get into our scores for today. Um, if I'm not mistaken, we only had the two challenges. We had the Dusty Baker with World Series victories. Uh, Kev said he won with. Chicago. Chicago, I said with the Giants, we were both wrong, so we both end up with a minus one. He is not one as a manager. He's he is one, one as a player. Right, right. And we were specifically talking about managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one was, I said Simeon had 44 home runs when I should have figured it out because yesterday when we were at the game, he hit the <laughs> 45th. And so that's a minus for me and a plus for Jesse. Um, and that was pretty much it, was it not, boys? Yep. yep. All right. So on the season, then 
That's going to take uh, Peter Sticks at plus six because, well, he wasn't here today, even though we should take one off his uh, total just because. <laughs> I'd be okay uh, with that. Yeah. Uh, Kev, is that updated there, minus 13, or is he? No. No. That's, so, he, so he's minus 14. So he's minus 14 now. Uh, Jesse, you're going from plus 11 to plus 12, and I'm minus two today. That puts me at minus nine. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. so I'm getting closer and closer to Kev every day. Right on, bud. Week. Yep, we're bringing up the rear, but we're cooler than the other guys, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like how up. you feel so cool down there. <laughs> we can stay up longer and drink and drink more. Uh, yeah, I'd still like to be not be minus nine. Can't lie. <laughs> but you so. passed the line. Yeah. <laughs> We need to get the line back on the show. <laughs> uh, hockey's coming up soon, so we'll get him back on. And uh, same with same with Graham, so we can uh, so we can get some points back. Kev, how about that? Yeah, man. So anytime we can get him back with those guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. So your drinks, Kev. How was your fucking carbonated water and pineapple juice? <laughs> the Waterloo pineapple rattler? No, I mean I'm not again one for the taste of pineapple but it wasn't that bad i mean but the only thing bad about it was the actual alcohol content yeah you're definitely not drunk today five no 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 i i had that but i i brought out the um i brought out the alpine as well oh, i remember the last yeah. time i was talking about alpine and they had to do something about their logo or they're changing it yeah they did well, change. Did, they got... did they ever look at that they, they must they got... have been listening or something man because it's camo oh, maybe but you know all in all Good beer. Never have it again. I would never have it again. I promise <laughs> you that. It was good, but I'll never have it again. Yeah. Jesse, <laughs> how was yours? Well, you know how it tastes because we had it last night, but it's pretty tasty. I think I might get some more of these. I haven't had a whole lot of Pilsners lately, and it's one of my favorite beers. So this uh, Mill Street Brewery Classic Organic Pilsner was the shit. Enjoyed it a lot. Yosh, how was your potent drink? Yeah, my 6.9 Rhythm and Brews Symphony Hazy IPA right here out of uh, Cambridge, not too far from uh, from where I'm recording tonight. It was pretty good. Like I said before, it has the uh, the typical hazy IPA flavors and uh, and hoppiness, and uh, it, was, it was pretty good. Kev, I know you weren't... Uh, too big of a fan of this when you when you drank this a few weeks ago but uh i enjoyed it i'd get it again and i actually think we should head down to this place they got you know local music local beer it's a local place not like i said not too far from here at all we should definitely go check this place out get some uh get some local craft brews and check out some uh some local entertainment because i'm assuming it's all you know people from the general area anyway playing the old guitars and, and whatnot. And so yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Oh boys, we made it through episode 36 without Pete. I didn't know if we were going to do it. You know, you, you know, he's the, he's the glue that keeps us all together. Right. So, <laughs> but uh, so here we are, we're going to finish her off tonight by saying thank you to everyone. And uh, for all of us here, thanks again for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. And until next week, stay, stay out, out of the, the penalty, penalty box. box.